So last week we finished Perik Nun and Tanya, but we're not finished yet. We finished it inside, we finished uh, explaining what's going on, but I just want to add a few, um, a few ideas, and more specifically I would like to add two stories. Both of them stories that are said by the Fidik Rebbe about the Balatanya, about the Alter Rebbe. The topic of the Perik, of Perik Nun, is, um, is this tremendous madriga of Ava, where a person is totally consumed with Ava Sashem to the point of Kalesa Nefesh, to the point of uh, no desire. It's not about me and my satisfaction and my, and my connection to Hashem and my uh, living a life which is a holy, spiritual, uh, meaningful life with connection to Hashem, but it's about a desire to, 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 for the Neshama to rip itself away from the body and to be totally subsumed in Hashem because it comes from a realization that the only truth is Hashem and this whole world is just one big Mitzrayim it's one big, uh, one big place of, uh, of, of, of Klippa and Gashmias and Meitzar and a, a desire just to become nothing and to connect to Hashem, to become part of Hashem that is the Ratsi element that is the, the Ratsi element, the heart racing the neshama racing towards Hashem, but the Alter Rebbe concludes and says that the Ratsi has to be followed by Yashuv. That if you're a person who's doing what Hashem wants, and, and if that's the case, then the Ratsi also is because Hashem wants you to have a Ratsi. Al Karchach Atameis, right? That the, the reason why you're having this Ratsi is because Hashem wants to, because it says in the Torah. So then it's Nichnas B'Shalom, as we spoke last week. And then when you hit the place of Ratsi, when your heart is completely desiring to connect to Hashem, you have the Shuv moment and you realize that's all correct, but what does Hashem want of me? Hashem put me down here in this world because He wants me to make a Dir and that's accomplished through Torah and through Mitzvah. So on that note, I'd like to share two stories. The first story is uh, retold by the Friedrich Rebbe, he said it in a Sicha in Tafshin Beis in 1942. And he says, we heard it from and who heard it from another is an, about, it, goes, it goes back all the way to a person who was present at the scene and that, the scene was in the year Tovkuf Mem Gimel that's uh, 1783 in the city of Minsk as we've mentioned before when the Magid passed away the Magid passed away in the year 10 years earlier he passed away in the year Tovkuf Lamed Gimel Yutas Kislev Tovkuf Lamed Gimel which was 1772, the Magid passed away. And when he passed away, so for the first while, the Alter Rebbe, he, um, he was a chassid of one of the senior students of the, of the Magid, who was Ramendel of Haradak. He was Machaber of the Sefer Pri Haaretz. So the, the Alter Rebbe was a chassid by him. And then Ramendel of Haradak, famously, he went up to Eretz Yisrael in the, in the late... Um, the late 1770s, he went up to Eretz Yisrael and took with him many chassidim, and they settled in Tzfas. And um, Tzfas and Tveria. And the Alter Rebbe was actually planning on going along with, uh, with, with the Medal of Haradak, but he came, but uh, he was convinced by the chassidim to stay and to be the leader of the chassidim. And the Alter Rebbe took over the leadership of chassidus in. In, uh, in not in Hardak, but the, he took over the whole area of Ukraine and White Russia and Lithuania, which was a very, very huge region. 
Whereas all the other Talmud, Talmudim of the Magid, pretty much all the Talmudim of the Magid, they went to Poland and to Galicia and to, to Hungary. And the Alter Rebbe, he got, because that's where the Alter Rebbe was from. The Alter Rebbe was a Litvak. That was his area. That's where he was from. And also, um, in these areas, in the areas of uh, in the areas of White Russia and Lithuania, that's where there was the very, very big Talmud Chachamim and the big Misnagdim, but not only the big Misnagdim, but also very, very learned. So they figured the Alter Rebbe, who was a Goyen in Nigla, after all, he wrote the Shulchan Aruch also. So he was the one who was suited to take over, take over um, in this area, which was, so to say, a hostile area. And the Alter Rebbe Take encountered a lot of resistance. As we know, he was, he was arrested twice because of the resistance. Thank you very much. Because of the resistance he encountered. But he also had a tremendous success in creating tens of thousands of chassidim in that area also. But Akaponim, it all came to a head in the year 17, again, I said Tafkuf Mem Gimel, which is 1783. And the Alter Rebbe was invited to the city of Minsk. And in the city of Minsk over there, to, so to say, to uh, debate debate those who were opposed to Chassidus. And from all the cities nearby, they gathered in the city of Minsk. And there was the city of, of Minsk, and there's the city of Slutsk, and there's some other city, Vilna, and other, all, all, many, many cities nearby. The big London all went to, all went to, uh, to, uh, to Minsk for this Vikuach. And actually, the first thing they insisted was that they have to farher the Alter Rebbe on Nigla. Because they're not, they don't, they don't want to deal with an Amaretz. So that was the first thing they did. So they did that. So that was session number one, as they asked the Alter Rebbe a bunch of questions on, uh, on Gemara and Peskim. And the Alter Rebbe obviously passed with flying colors. And then came the time when the topic of discussion was going to be Chesedus. And the Misnagdim actually at that point in time, they had consolidated their main philosophical issues into two big problems they had with Chassidus, two big questions and two big problems. And this is very emblematic of the time of what was going on and of what the Baal was trying to accomplish. Tiny number one, complaint number one against Chassidus was that the Baal preached how important and how precious is the Tfilois and the Tehillim of the Pasha, the people. Even though the Layadi Ma'ikamar, they don't even know what they're saying. They don't understand the Pirush Amilus. We're talking about this was a this was a very dreadful time for Klal Yisrael, materially, economically. I mean, this was, you know, Chmelinitsky came and destroyed the infrastructure, the Jewish infrastructure, and killed uh, hundreds of thousands of Yidden also. And the economic situation was very dire. And for most part, most Yidden did not have the financial wherewithal to be able to give their children a Torah education. They would teach them how to read, teach them how to daven, teach them some halachas. At the age of seven, eight, the children were already being apprenticed to, to, to a shoemaker, to a blacksmith. So most of the Yidin, although they were very pashat, very, they were very pashat, very simple, but very tmimistic and very frum and very big Yiddish shemaim. The Baal as we know, very, very much treasured these pashat Yidin. And, um, and he spoke specifically about how precious their tefillahs and their tehillim is. And the complaint is, what's the complaint you want to know? What could be the complaint? Today we don't get it anymore. Because the one thing that we have to understand is that the chassidus was victorious. In other words, even today, the, today there really isn't something called a misnagat. It doesn't really exist. Because even today, those who aren't chassidim also have adopted 
in many, many ways, in many, many areas, the Hasidic mindset and the philosophies of the Baal Shem Tev. That's uh, So today we can't even understand what the issue was, but the issue was that what do you mean? By the Alter Rebbe raising up, by the, sorry, by the Baal Shem Tev, uplifting um, the prestige of the simple people, that's a pigia in the covet. That is go, that's something which is, that's impinging upon the honor and respect due of Talmidei Chachamim. Because if Hashem treasures the tefillahs and the tehillim of the simple people, then what makes the Talmidei Chachamim so great? After all, the, the simple people are also great. And at that time, among, again, when the Balshamtiv came around the world, you can't say Misnagdim because that was the what was Misnagdim means was, uh, was against. The, if anything, the Balshamtiv was the Misnagid. He was coming to uh, to counter the prevailing um, the prevailing situation. There was a major hierarchy, and um, if you went to a big city, so there was a show of the tailors and there was the show of the of the shoemakers, and every single uh, type of um, Profession had their own their own chevra, their own society, their own shoals. They did not mix, and certainly with the Talmud Chachamim, and the Talmud Chachamim looked very much down upon the simple Yidin, and that was something which the Baal Shem Tev was looking to change. Dr. Rebbe, the Baal Shem Tev was talking about how every single Yid is so precious to Hashem, and he met a lot of resistance from the Talmud Chachamim because Talmud Chachamim felt that the Baal Shem Tev is coming and in some way diminishing their prestige and taking away from the honor which is due to them. The simple people are supposed to look up to Talmud Chachamim. And obviously the Baal Shem Tev felt also that, that simple people have to look up to Talmud Chachamim. But he didn't feel that Talmud Chachamim are allowed to look down, look down. on, sim- on simple Yidin. Yeah. But didn't the Misnagdim criticize uh, Hasidism, Hasidism because uh, they, they almost deified the, the rabbis? That was, um, that was one of the main There were many, many criticisms. That actually wasn't one of the main ones. But for, for the purposes of this debate, it was distilled into two tainas. So that was taina number one. Again, this is about this particular debate. And taina number two is, once again, somewhere along the same lines, that the Baal Shem Tev says that even Sadiqim have to do tshuva. And once again, they felt that with this statement, the Baal Shem Tev is putting down the tzaddikim, the Talmud Chachamim, and they felt that this is very dangerous for Klal Yisrael, this uh, putting down the Talmud Chachamim, and on the other hand, raising up the simple Eden. Those are the two tainas that they had. They presented the tainas to the Alter Rebbe. Again, this is in, in, in this Vikuach, in this debate in Minsk. And the Alter Rebbe said, I would like to respond by, tell, by analyzing the very first revelation of Hashem to Moshe Rabbeinu. We know it says that Hashem revealed Himself to Moshe Rabbeinu in the burning bush. And the Pasuk says, Vayera, Vayera Hashem, a love, Bilabas Eish B'Teichasna. Maybe I'm not getting the words precise. Hashem revealed Himself to Moshe Rabbeinu in, a, uh, in the heart of the fire in a thorn bush. And Moshe sees this Mara Hagodil Hazai. He sees this awesome sight that the Sna is the Sna is burning up in fire. But the, it's not being consumed. The fire is keeping on burning and burning because usually when there's fire, the fire goes out because the whatever is feeding the fire 
fuel. Whatever, right, is... Um, it's being consumed. It's consumed. But over here, the snack wasn't being consumed. And Moshe, when he sees this, he says, Asura na. I have to, I have to move away from where I am. As Rashi says in the Pasuk, Asura, Asura mikan liskadav l'sham. I have to move away from where I am, liskadav l'sham, and I have to go over there to see this. Why is it that the sna isn't being consumed? Now, as we know, that every single story in the Torah has deeper spiritual implications. What was, when, what was Moshe seeing that was so impressive to him? This Mara HaGadol, Moshe wasn't impressed by a little miracle. Moshe was a very great Novi at the time and everything. If Moshe was awestruck by this sight, there was something deeper going on over here that caused Moshe to be awestruck to the point that he says, I have to go, I have to move away from where I am, I have to go there and I have to check this out. So the Rebbe explained. He says, the fire, the fire we know is the passion the passion of Ayid, the passion of the Neshama. And Adam eats Hasada, we are all trees. Every single one of us, we are all trees. Every, every, every human being is a tree, every Yid is a tree. However, when it comes to trees, there are two different types of trees. There are fruit trees, trees that grow fruit. And the, true, the, the trees that grow fruit, they represent Hamid Chacham. As the Gemara says, if I remember correctly, the Gemara says, that a Tamil Chacham, and the Pasuk Yadam Asada, that a Tamil Chacham is compared to a tree bearing fruit. So, who is the Sna? What is the thorn bush? The tree doesn't grow any trees, uh, it doesn't grow any fruit. That refers to the Pashti Yidin, the simple Yidin. So, Moshe looks at the fire, the fire, the passion, the Avas Hashem, which is within the Anashim Shutim, within the Sna, within the simple Yidin. And he notices something fascinating. Hasna bayer ba'esh. The sna is burning in fire. But vasna inanu ukal. It's not being consumed. He says, Talmidei Chachamim also have a fire of love for Hashem. But they quench that thirst. They, so to say, extinguish that fire through their Torah study. Because when they learn Torah, that's how they resolve they're fire for Hashem. Hashem, I, thirsting, thirsting, thirsting for Hashem. So how do they quench that thirst? Through studying Torah. When they study the Torah, they cool down. So the, the fire, the fire, so to say, subsides. Where do we have this phenomenon? That the fire just keeps on burning and is never consumed. It's never extinguished because the thirst is never quenched. That's by the Anashim Pshutim. That's by the simple Yidin. The simple Yidin, because they don't have the Torah, they don't, they're not Tamidich HaChamim. So therefore, their heart is constantly burning with a fire for Hashem, and it never goes out. It's never in any way lessened the fire, because there's nothing to lessen the fire. They're just in a state of constant desire to connect to Hashem. And when Moshe Rabbeinu sees this, what does he say? He says, Asura na, I have to move away from where I am, and I have to do tshuva. That inspired Moshe Rabbeinu to do tshuva. In other words, even though the Moshe Rabbeinu was a tzaddik and a tzaddik Gomer, he was born a tzaddik. Most people, most tzaddikim aren't born tzaddikim. Moshe Rabbeinu was unique that when he was born, the house was filled with light. This inspired Moshe Rabbeinu to do tshuva. And that's what, with that the Alter Rebbe finished. And as the Friedrich Rebbe says, he left Minsk with 400 nuchsidim. 
40 minyanim of chassidim. It was this one answer which answered both questions with one, uh, with one hasbara. Why, why, what is so special about the, the davening and about the tilim of the simple people? And why is it that tzaddikim have to do tshuva? Why do tzaddikim have to do tshuva? Because they, because they quenched their fire. They quenched their thirst. They put out the fire and they're studying of Torah. So they have to also do tshuva. And what this is... shot of, of returning? Once you, get, once you have chalos and nefesh, you have to go back. So that's, so that's the before we get that, Before we right? get to the going back, this is the understanding the greatness of Ratzay, the greatness of the fire. That Yid has to have a fire for Hashem and a fire that doesn't go out. And that's the Ratzay that al is talking about here in Tanya. In the previous program, we were talking about Ava, which is like water. It's Ava, I have love for Hashem, and I quench it through learning Torah, through doing mitzvahs, because it's about me wanting to connect to Hashem. But then there has to be this fiery love, a fiery love for Hashem, and it has to be constant, this love. However, at a certain point in time, there has to also be the shuv, realizing that I have to go back in the world and, and, and make a dir betach And on that note, I would like to move to the second story. This is a story written by the Fidik Rebbe in a kuntris that he wrote called Kuntris Teres Achsidus. So he says, this is a story which was retold by the brother of the Alter Rebbe. The brother of the Alter Rebbe, his name was Rabbi Yehuda Leib. He wrote a sefer called Sheiris Yehuda, a sefer Shailos Shuvas. He was a very big, he was a very big rav on his own. And he told the story to the Tzemach Tzedek, who was the grandson of the Alter Rebbe, and it was passed on to the Friedrich Rebbe. And this is a story that happened the first time that the Alter Rebbe came to the Magad of Mezrich, the first time he visited the Magad of Mezrich. And he writes like this, it happened once that the students of the, of the Magad, they were known as the Chavraye Kadisha, the Holy, the Holy Society. They were sitting together, and they were talking between themselves about the different Madrigis of the Malachim in Heaven, the Ifanim, the Chayes HaKodesh, which are in the Merkava, and which are in, all, in each one of the spiritual worlds. One of the Talmudim spoke about the Milo of the Malachim that are called Sichliim Nivdalim. They're intellectual beings. And their Chayis is only the word of Hashem. The second one spoke about the Eifanim and the Chayis HaKodesh. They always have, constantly they have Avas Hashem and they have Yiras Hashem, Ratsi and Shuv. And this Talmud started talking about how great the Yira, the awe of Hashem, is of the Chayis. A third one of the, uh, the Chavrai Kadisha starts talking about the Shrafim that are even higher than the Chayis, because they're in the world of Bria. And then some of the Talmudim of the Chavrai Kadisha started speaking about the Sphiris of Atsilus, which is even higher than all the Malachim. And they started speaking about the, 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 the Milo of the Sphere of Teferis. Over all the other, uh, over the spheres. And then the Milo of Bina over the Midas. And then Chachma over Bina. And then Kesar, which is the Gulgalta, the skull, the Milo of Kesar over all the Midas, over all the spheres. And especially Pnimius Akesar. And they kept on going, talking about the different Madrigas that there are, the Malachim and the spheres, and higher than that. And the members of the Chavrai Kadisha, as they were describing the tremendous. Hafla and the exaltedness and the sweetness and the beauty of the Avoida of the Malachim and the Natsalim, which is even higher than Malachim, they became fiery. And they started in their Gaguin for Hashem, 
says most of them they were just their lips at the point they entered an ecstatic state their lips were moving couldn't hear anything they weren't so they weren't saying any words and all of them were shaking and crying some of the people of of the of the Chavrai Kedisha, their faces were white their hands were lifted up some were singing silently to themselves and their hearts were were pushed storming and it was you could see that um, pretty soon they're all going to die. Their neshamas are all going to leave. They were they entered that state of Yislavos. The neshamas were all going to depart their bodies. The Alter Rebbe said that when he saw this for the first time, he got that which Rabbi Shimon Bar Yichai said in the Zoyar. He said, "Bechad katira is katarna with one knot. I am knotted with Hashem. Be'achidna with Him I am one. Be'lehita in Hashem. My heart is ablaze." The first time he got some sort of understanding and picture of what that is was when he encountered this scene of the Talmidim of the Magid. Again, this was the first time the Alter Rebbe arrived in, 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 um, in Mezrich. And there's, it's without a doubt the Alter Rebbe said that if the Magid would not have walked into Mesa Medrash at that time, some of the Chavrai Kadisha would have had actual Kulay Sanafash because of the tremendous thirst to become subsumed in Hashem's light. But Suddenly they heard the steps of the Rebbe, the Magid, and immediately that caused everyone to snap out of their dvekas, and everyone stood up out of respect and to be mekabel Pnei HaKodesh. The Magid walks into the room, sits down at the head of the table, and he said a Torah. The Pasuk says, Anoichi Yassisi Aretz Va'adam Allah Barasi. I'm not sure where this Pasuk is. Abishter says, I, I made the earth, and human being, Allah Barasi, I created on the earth. And the Magid explains, I, I, who I, I, I am who I am, the one who is hidden from and concealed, even from the highest Nad Salam, the highest spiritual beings. So I concealed myself with many contractions and I emanated Na'at Salim, I created creations, Shrafim, Chayis, Efanim, Malachim, and worlds without any number. And then, through contractions more than can be counted, Asisi Aretz, I created, Eilam Haza Agashmi, the Adam Allah Barasi, and the human being I created on it, the Adam, the person, is the Tachlis of everything, everything that I created. The, 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 Hashem says, yes, I created everything. Everything the purpose is the Adam, the human being. And Barasi is Begematria 613. The word Barasi is 613 because the tachlis of the person is to do the mitzvahs. Yishayu. Sorry, it's Nishayo. Thank you. And it's brought down, the Magid says, it's brought down in the Pardes in the name of the Sefer Haboyer. The Midas HaChesed HaVatzilus turned to Hashem and said, from the day that Avram Avinu is walking this earth, I'm useless, I'm, need, I'm not needed, because Avram is doing my work. This is what it says in the Sefer HaBoyer. The Midas HaChesed turned to Hashem and said, ever since Avram was born, and as long as Avram was alive, the Midas HaChesed said, it feels, what? Unemployed. It's on pension, right? It's unemployed, <laughs> there's nothing what to do, because Avram is doing all the chesed. Avram, who was an imagine that Avram, who was an Shama beguf, who was doing Achnasas Archim, 
and being mefarsim, publicizing Hashem's existence in Elam is higher than Midas HaChesed of Atzilus. And when Midas HaChesed went and told us to Hashem, that's talking, it's, it's jealousy. Midas HaChesed was jealous in the Aveda of Avraham Avinu. The Maggid finished saying this, stood up, and he walked back to his room. And with that Teira, he calmed everyone down. In other words, they were all in a state of dveikos, thinking about all the higher worlds. Comes along the Maggid and says, you should know that all the higher worlds were created for you, and the purpose of everything is that you should learn Teira, and you should do mitzvahs. And in fact, when you, when, you, when a neshama beguf is doing Teira and mitzvahs, all the, all the entities of the higher world, even Midas Achas Tevatzilos, is jealous of you because you are the purpose. So therefore, yeah, the Ratsu is very nice, this is incredible, he's slavos in the ecstasy, but at the end of the day, never forget where the purpose is, Adam, Allah, Barasi, the purpose of everything is the Adam, and the Barasi, the Tayag, Mitzvah, These two scenes the Alter Rebbe concluded, which I just saw, the first scene which was the tremendous emotion of the Chavrai Kadisha, and then afterwards, the second scene, the calmness of the Magid, that's what took me completely, and that's when I became a chassid. It was these two scenes that made the Alter Rebbe into a chassid of the Magid. This is, uh, Alter Rebbe first came to the Magid around the year of uh, Tafku Chafdalud, which was uh, 1764. But what's interesting is that you have this juxtaposition. Now, on the one hand, it wasn't just what the Magid said. It was, it was, it was the both of them together that grabbed the Alter Rebbe and made him into a chassid. It was seeing the Ratzwi. But then also seeing the shuv, we don't get lost. You don't, don't get lost in the ratzui. There is always the shuv, but the ratzui is very important. And this is, as we mentioned last week, this is our life. This is the cycle of our life. This ratzui and shuv. And every single day we wake up in the morning and we daven. We're supposed to feel the ratzui. We're supposed to desire. We're supposed to be bothered by the fact that we're in this world. We're supposed to be bothered by the fact that we have enough shabbos and the yitzhara, and that we're not totally one with Hashem, and that we're stuck over here as a captive over here. And the desire is supposed to be just to have kleis and nefesh. But at the same time, always we have to remember, shuv, ultimately where the kavana is, we have to go back into the world, and we have to do mitzvahs, and we have to have our jobs, and we have to make a dirbetachtoinim, and then the cycle continues, back to the ratzi, and back to the shuv, and back to the ratzi, and back to the shuv. And with that, we've concluded the idea spoken about in Perikon. We are now officially entering the home stretch of Tanya. Perik Lun Aleph. With this, we have three prakim left in Tanya. Lun Aleph, Lun Beis, and Lun Gimel, in the first part of Tanya. And these three prakim constitute one, one idea. And this, so basically, right now, we're entering the final, the final chapter in Tanya. Not literally the final chapter, there's three chapters, but the final, uh, the final sugya in Tanya we'll be entering in Perik Lun Aleph. And in order to understand where the Alter Rebbe is coming from, we have to backtrack a little, and we have to give a little context, we have to go, we have to move back a little, and then we'll understand what the Alter Rebbe is trying to accomplish over here. As we mentioned, Tanya divides more or less into two parts. The first part is Perik Aleph through Perik Lamedalit, chapter 1 through 34. And the second part is chapter 35 through the end of Tanya, which is chapter 53. 
you remember, when we finished Perik Lamedal, when we, after we finished the first 34 Prakim, we took a break for a few months and we, we reviewed the whole thing. We did a review from Perik Aleph to Perik Lamedal, because that constituted the first part of Tanya. And now, this is the second part of Tanya. What's that? I mean, it's unofficial, this uh, divide. Al-Tabi doesn't officially divide them into two, but in concept, there was a transition. What is the transition? The first 20, the first 30, uh, 34 Prakim of Tanya is very much devoted to the recognition is that we are all struggling here in this world. We struggle because we have internal struggles, nefshalakis versus the nefshabahamis. And um, how is it that despite the struggles between the nefshalakis and the nefshabahamis, how is it that we can be victorious in our struggles in the areas of machshava, dibur ma'isa, beficha, So the first chapters. The first 34 chapters, the Alter Rebbe really gives a complete program for how it is possible for a person 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 355 days a year to be, to win the struggles that Machshava Dibra Maisa to do the proper thing. So it's very, it's that in the first, uh, in the first part of Tanya, Alter Rebbe there, the goal isn't to explain the why, what's behind everything, the reasons behind everything, and the larger plan that's, we're in a very practical stage. I mean, there is some philosophy over there also, as needed, but it's mainly the practical parts of Tanya. Pedrik Lamed Hei and An, the Alter Rebbe enters the, more, enters the more philosophical part of Tanya, and there the Alter Rebbe starts explaining more the significance of what we're doing and why we're doing. Because obviously knowing, knowing why we're doing and what we're doing impacts also our ability to do, to do our Avedah properly. And Al Rebbe introduces towards the beginning of, of, of the second part, in other words, in Perik Plam Vav, chapter uh, in chapter 36, Al Rebbe introduces the idea of Dira Betachtoina. This big this big bombshell. And it is it's, it is a big bombshell. The idea of Dira Betachtoina that uh, the lower something is, the more that there is um, the more Hashem has a desire for it, Hashem has a desire specifically in this world. And this, the Alter Rebbe uses the concept of Dira B'tachtoinim to explain why it is that mitzvahs maisius are necessary. Why do we need to have mitzvahs maisius? Why do we need to have mitzvahs? Why do we have to have, to have mitzvahs maisius? Why can't we sit and learn Torah whole day? Be monks. Sorry? Be monks. Be monks, yeah. deal. <laughs> why is it important? Why is it necessary to have mitzvahs maisius? And that Dira B'tachtoinim explains that uh, in order for us to impact the world, we need to do mitzvahs dafka, mitzvahs maisius. Because whenever we do a mitzvah, so we're doing it with a physical item. And more, more than that, it's not only that we're doing the mitzvah with a physical item, but who is doing the actual mitzvah? Is the nefesh achayunis, the nefesh abahamis is doing the mitzvah because the nefesh alakis works in the body through the nefesh abahamis. And when we elevate the Nefshah Bahamis, which is also Tachtoinim, right? Hashem Otsadir B'Tachtoinim, through that we elevate the whole world, as Dr. Rebbe explains at length in chapter 37. But the purpose is, the reason why we have mitzvahs is to elevate the whole world, and we need Dafka action mitzvahs because that's what counts, is the action mitzvahs. That's what Dr. Rebbe talks about from Prakim Lamed Hey, Lamed Vav, Lamed Zayn, 35, 36, 37. After the Alter Rebbe spends three prakim talking about how action mitzvahs are so important because 
of Dira Betachtoinim because the purpose and the goal of everything is that Hashem wants to have a dwelling place down here in this physical world. And for that purpose, we need to have mitzvahs, which are Dafke mitzvahs Maisias. The Alter Rebbe says, What's with Kavana? What's with Avas Hashem? What's with Yiras Hashem? Why are they important? If the purpose is Dira Betachtoinim, is there any significance at all to Kavana? So in the next few prakim and prakim Lamed Ches and Lamed Tes and Mem next three prakim Dr. Rebbe lays out his whole theory, thesis on why Kavana is important and the reason why Kavana is important Kavana, in other words Avas Hashem and Yiras Hashem is important because they are the Godfin yes, they're the wings the main thing is the actual mitzvah, the Maisa mitzvah and if you don't do a Maisa mitzvah all your Avas Hashem and all your Yiras Hashem is worthless. However, when you do a Mitzvah Maisis, and that Mitzvah Maisis, the Kavana of that Mitzvah is infused with Avas Hashem and Yiras Hashem, so then that lifts up the Mitzvah Maisis, and it, it causes that there's a much greater revelation of Hashem Jeratzen in that Mitzvah. So that's Lamed Zayin, Lamed Ches, sorry, Lamed Ches, Lamed Tes, and Mem, and then from Mem Aleph until Nun, ten, ten Prakim, which we just finished, the Rebbe says, oh, if Avas Hashem and Yiras Hashem are so important, let me teach you how to have Avas Hashem. Let me teach you how to have Yiras Hashem. And that was the last 10 Prakim. In the last 10 Prakim, we learned at length many different levels of Yiras Hashem, many different levels of Avas Hashem, leading up to this final Perik. Perik Nun, we had this, where we had this, um, the high, we spoke of the highest level of Avas Hashem, the level of Zav. Yes. Before it also <coughs> mentioned Avasim Yerushalayim. Where? Before Lamedal, before Lamed Hay. Does it? Um, yeah, but it's not. Here, it's, it's mentioned it in order to help you do uh, Kikar Velacha Yeah, in other words, it's mentioned briefly before, but you're talking about Perik Tezvav, Tezayim. Tezayim. It's mentioned briefly, but its function isn't fully fleshed out. The the full and other it's, yeah it's mentioned before and you need of Avasem Yiddishem but the explanation and the whole story behind it why is it important and why is mitzvah important and why is kavan important that all follows later but yeah but it is mentioned mentioned several times beforehand but not, but there it's mentioned more about you have to have Avan Yira without any reason or explanation behind it as opposed to from Perik Lamid Lamid Heinan is where is where we suddenly have we're shedding light on the reasons behind everything it's more the philosophy. Up to Perik Lamedal is more the practical, and after Perik Lamedal is more the philosophy. I would say that over there, earlier, it's in order to make it make it easier. You're saying it's more... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I hear what you're saying. You're saying over there, it's, it's utilitarian. I need it in order to motivate me to do the mitzvah, whereas later, it's actually part of Dirba Tachtoyim. Now, in Perik Lamedhei, the Altarebbe begins this whole conversation by bringing down a Maimer Hazair. If you want, you could, uh, we will read it now inside. If you want, you can follow along with me. It's on page Mem Dalad, which is opposite of page 86. The Altarebbe quotes Hazair. Ten lines, ten lines on the top of the, yeah, of the, of the, of the page. The Alter Rebbe says, we'll be to explain everything. The Alter Rebbe asked a few questions before, and to explain this all, we have to first preface, Lashon Hayinuka. 
the words of the Yenuka, the child. There's a child quoted in Zayar Parshas Balak. Al pasuk hachacham einov bireshe. The pasuk says hachacham, the wise person einov bireshe. His eyes are in his head. So the Zayar says again. The Zayar is quoting this child. What do you mean, the wise person, his eyes are in his head? And how about unwise people, where are their eyes? <laughs> their torso? Like, what's, uh, what does that mean? After all, where are the eyes of a person? The explanation of the Pasuk is as follows. Vade, certainly. The Tanan, we learn in the Mishnah. A person should not go um, with a revealed head for more than four amas. Without, without a head covering. Uncovered head, right? My time, what's the reason? The shechinta Because the shechina is above the head of every person. That's why we don't walk with a beer head. So what does it mean? Hachacham enov the, the Chacham, the, his eyes are in his head. The Chol Chacham, every person was wise. Einoihi, his eyes, umilei, and everything that he does is bereishei inon. It's all directed at his head, meaning bahu desharia v'kaim malereishei on the one that is residing of residing upon and is upon his head. Chacham einav bereishei means a wise person. Their eyes is always directed toward the head. What's on the head? The shechina. The shechina is on top of the. On top of the head of every single yid, the wise person, their mind is constantly on the shechina, which is on top of the head. And when your eyes are directed at the shechina, doesn't mean literally, but literalized, but it means when a person's attention is directed at the, at the shechina, Linda, a person should know, that that fire, which is lit above your head, which is the shechina, it needs oil. Begin because the gufa de barnash, the body of the human being, ihu psila, is the wick. And the fire that's above the head of the person, in other words, the fire that's attached to the wick, is the shechina. Shleima Amalach screams and he says, Vishemen al al yechsar. He says, make sure always there's oil on your head. This light which is above your head, in other words, the shechina, it requires oil. And what is the oil? Those are mitzvahs, actions. Positive, maizim toivim. The maizim toivim is, is the oil. So basically we constitute a candle. The shechina is the fire, which is above our head. Our body is the wick. And what is the oil? Because we know if there is no oil, if you're just going to put a fire to a wick, it's not going to last very long. What keeps it going? And what, what's, the, what, what's, the, what's the oil that keeps it going? The fuel that keeps it going? The shaman is mitzvah. doesn't say teirah. Look what he says. Together. No, it's very clear. And that's why the Pasuk says, Your eyes should always be on your head to make sure, to ensure that there's oil. 
You should always, in other words, always keep it just like a, if you have a candle in your house and you don't want it to go down, you're always going to be checking to make sure, I, is there enough oil, right? Or today you always should make sure, did I pay the electric company to make sure that the, the electric doesn't go out? You always have to have your mind on the oil. Always have to have your mind to make sure that you're doing enough mitzvahs and you're doing enough maximum toivim because when you have the oil, that's what keeps the shechina connected to the wick, which is your body. That's what the Rebbe says. That's how the Alter Rebbe introduces the second part of Tanya, which again begins in chapter 35. And the point, and the point over here is Dr. Rebbe asks, why do you need to have mitzvahs? Why do you have to have the Uvdin Tavan? And that's where the end. That leads us into the whole point of Dira Betachtoyna. The reason why you have to have mitzvahs, the reason why you have to have Uvdin Tavan, and why the reason Uvdin Tavan is the fuel that connects you to Hashem, is because of, is because of Dira Betachtoyna. Now, back to Perik Nun. Page Ayin Aleph, opposite of page 140. Al-Tarebbe begins, at this point right now, we moved away, we're 15 Prakim removed from Perik Lamed But Al-Tarebbe says, we need, a, I, we need a revisit. We need to revisit that which the Yenuka, that which the, the, the child said in the Zayar. There's something we need to understand. We need to better understand the words of the Yenukah. What is the technical question the Alter Rebbe is going to answer, uh, coming to answer? Is that, this will become obvious from later on in the Prakim, there's a technical question that these next three chapters, these next three Prakim are going to answer. And that is that the Zayar and the Yenukah refers to our Maisim Toivim, our good deeds as Shemen, as the oil. We know that in Torah, a muscle is always exact, always precise. And why is a muscle in Torah always precise? It's not like, if I'm, you know, when we make a muscle, if you pull a muscle out of your mind, it's not exact always. Why? First of all, it doesn't, as long as you get the main point across, you get the main point across, it doesn't have to be exact. In Torah, the muscle comes from the nimshal. In the words of Chassidus, the mashal is nishtalshal from the nimshal. Meaning, whenever there's a mashal in Torah, the mashal, we know that everything begins off on the spiritual levels and comes down through the worlds and enters the lower worlds and lower worlds until it enters our world. So when Torah gives a mashal, so for example, when Torah says shaman and psila, that means that those physical elements, where do they come from? What's their source? Everything in this world has a source in the higher worlds. In Torah, it's, the, it's coded. In Torah, when the, the nimshal is always the source of the mashal. So therefore, everything has to be exact. Every mashal in Torah has to be exact. The problem is that if you look throughout Kabbalah, and look throughout Chassidus, we find that shaman is always used as a mashal for Chachmah. Shemen always represents Chachma. Shemen, Mishchas, Kodesh. And in the last few parashas, not, not, not Shmini, not Tazriya. We have all about the Shemen HaMishcha. Shemen, Mishchas, Kodesh. Shemen, Mishchas, Kodesh is Chachma. The Gemara says in Mishaklas Menachas. So there's a time episode when David HaMelech needed to find a, a wise person. So they, they took a wise woman, and where did they bring her from? 
it was in the aftermath of the story of, of Avshalom, and Avshalom uh, ran away. They brought her from Tekoya. The Gemara says, why did they bring her from Tekoya? Because they're very wise over there. Why were they wise in Tekoya? Because there was tons of olive oil there. The Gemara says, Haragil b'shem that someone who regularly is used to having olive, um, to, to uh, eating olive oil, I guess, foods with olive oil, you don't drink olive oil straight. So that brings to Chachma. Because oil is the physical uh, representation. It's nostalgia from Chachma. And the Hanukkah story, this is very negative. The whole Hanukkah is about Chachma. We're not going to go into that right now. But there's a reason why the Yivanim, when they came into the Beis Hamikdash, and there was gold, and there was silver, and there was precious everything, and the only thing they were looking for was to... I <laughs> wanted to make the olive oil tummy. That's the only thing that's... The Timu Kalashman, that's what's on their head. Vasepes, and there's spiritual reasons. The Yivanim themselves didn't even understand why they were doing it. But there were spiritual reasons, because their whole... Their whole battle was Chachma, against Chachma, which is interesting because the Yivanim, we know, they represent Chachma of the world. The greatest wisdom of the world comes from the Greeks. Very practically speaking. The, the sciences, they all started, they all started, the, the whole, the, all the sciences pretty much began with the Greeks. The greatest philosophers. So they were Chachma, but Chachma of Klippa, Chachma of Umaza. So therefore they did battle against the Chachma of Torah. Chachma is the highest. Chachma is the highest of all the spheres. Chachma is the godliness within all the spheres, and that's why oil doesn't mix with any liquids. It always remains on top, just like Chachma is the first of everything and it remains on top. So what's bothering the Alter Rebbe over here is, what's bothering the Alter Rebbe is, why is it that um, in the Zayar it refers to Maisim toivim, which is deeds as the oil, and that doesn't, uh, that doesn't fit. How do you reconcile that, which we know that, chachma is o- that, that oil is always a reference to chachma? And again, we can't say, okay, don't get caught up in the details. He's just trying to make a point, trying to make a point that through mitzvahs you're connected to Hashem, and the metaphor he happened to use is, is shaman. And another place, the, they use shaman as a metaphor for something else. Big deal, no. In Torah, everything is exact. If Shemin is Chachma, it's Chachma. It's not Maisim Torah. So why is the Yenuka calling it, calling it that? I'm going to take the... Now, this is the technical issue the Alter Rebbe is going to address and which the next three Prakim of Tanya are going to uh, help us with. It's also obvious that the Alter Rebbe would not give us three Prakim and Tanya just to answer a question about why Shaman is referred to, why Maishim Tevim are called Shaman or not. Tanya is, uh, is all about us and our work and our uh, Avodah. So it's obvious that also the next three Prakim and Tanya is going to be adding a tremendous depth to everything that we learned in Tanya up till this point. But we're going to have to learn the three Prakim. And once we finish the three Prakim, then we'll be able to look back and say, now that we learned these three Prakim, what depth did the Alter Rebbe add? And we'll see there's three huge ideas that the Alter Rebbe is going to add in these three Prakim. Not one per Patek. The uh, from, from, all, from these three Prakim together, we're going to arrive at three huge ideas, which the Alter Rebbe 
is going to be adding on everything which we spoke about in Tanya earlier. Okay. Says the Alter Rebbe. Two lines to the second line. In order to explain what the Zayar says, Tzadok Levayat Tchila, Tzadok Levayat Tchila, we first have to explain, and Lahavin Ktsas, to understand a little, Inyan Hashra Sashchina, what does it mean? Hashra Sashchina, we talk a lot about Hashra Sashchina. Shoy Sashayra Bebeis Kachay Kadasha. We say that the Shechina was Shayra in the Holy of Holies in the Beis HaMikdash. V'chein, and the same thing is Kol Makim Hashra Sashchina. Whenever there's Hashra Sashchina, Ma'inyane, what does that mean? Haloi, isn't it true that that the whole world is filled with Hashem's glory? And there is no place that is empty of Hashem. So what does it mean that a certain place is holier than another place? One place is holier than another place. It's a very, very basic question. If we translate as holiness, which is how we usually do it, we say, the makim mikdash, the place of the base mikdash, and the place of the kodesh hagadashim, it's holier. What does what does holy mean? Hashra It's dedicated to it. It's dedicated to to that. I understand, but is there in a sense? So so what if I dedicate? We'll dedicate. We'll dedicate this place, Tashem. Yes. So right now we're the kodesh hagadashim over here. No, <laughs> no, it's not the kodesh hagadashim. But also, so but but that's not that's not something which is real. In other words, I could dedicate, and tomorrow I'll move away somewhere else. That's not real. You're saying right now there's holy activity happening over here. There's nothing essential. Is Hashem more present in the Kedush HaKadoshim than He is everywhere else? I think you're going to ask the average, you know, go outside tonight, walk on the street, and ask people, is Hashem more present in the Beis HaMikdash and the Kedush HaKadoshim than the rest of the world? I think the average you will tell you, yeah. And they're right. Chalamakim. There's a place of Gilead, there's a place of Hashra Sashkina there, but what does that mean? Hashem is everywhere. I mean, his, his, more, um, his revelation is greater there. Is it? So if you're going to go today to, if you're going to go today to the Shakadashim, you're going to see it. So, that, so the, you won't survive it? I mean, only the Karim God can survive the Kedusha. Lepoil today, many people go to the Shakadashim and unfortunately they survive it. Not in the times they basically make this. But is the, is the, is the there now also? Maybe not. Not as much as before. Okay. The revelation is not as much. What do you mean? I'm trying to. I'm trying to. Um, All of this we're going to figure out. Revelation, What do you mean by revelation? I mean more than this. Being the being more of awareness of God, divine of God's divine presence in the Kaddish Kedoshim at the Kaddish. Reuven, let me ask well, you this. A better perception as, a, as opposed of your perception over here in New York or, or in the base mentorship. Of course. Because there were miracles there? No, it's perception. You ask him, how would I know? How would anybody know? This is the question we're trying to address. It's an experience no, he that he can't, he can't define it. Revelation, I'm trying to understand what you meant by that. I, I, I really That's a very... Because exactly. I've never been there. It's, it's an emo- Could you describe an emotional um, uh, an experience? It's an abstract thing. You're saying in the Kangalian Kippur, he felt more Hashem in the Kodesh Kedoshim than he did in the outside. That's what you're saying. That's what it, could be that's right. what it, it seems to be that could way. Be right. Ruben. As a matter of fact, if he, wasn't, if he wasn't have the, the vestments, he would not survive it. If he didn't have all the begotten and uh, whatever. Reuven, let's expand this question a little. What? 
Let's expand this question. The Alter Rebbe says, Anytime, this, the question is not only about the Kedush HaGadashim, the question is anytime you look in Pirkei Yavis and says, Asara Shayeshvin, 10 people are sitting learning Torah, the Shekhinah is there. That means right now we have 10 people sitting here in the room learning Torah, the Shekhinah is here. What does that mean? Shekhinah is everywhere. Hashem is everywhere. What does it mean? And this is something, it's a very, actually a very fo- foundational question. And when you're saying it's more revealed over there, that's the standard answer that everyone... It's an emotional... It's an emotional that's the standard sense. answer that everyone gives, but what does that mean? What does that mean? It's holier. And it's not only it's in terms of... It's not, it's, only in term, it's, it's not only in terms of locations. When Hashem created the world, we know the world is created in general along three, along three dimensions. There is space. There's time. And then there is the inhabitants, there's really two dimensions, and then there is the inhabitants of space and time. And specifically human beings. In every single one of those areas, this is one area, if you want to talk about the one biggest area where Torah is at odds with Western society, is that from the Jewish perspective, in every single one of these three dimensions, known as Olam, Shana, and Nefesh, in every single one of these dimensions, there is, there are gradations of holiness. Hashem didn't create all places alike. Hashem didn't create all times alike. And Hashem didn't create all the creations in the world and all people alike also. And in every single one of them, there are those entities that are more holy and there are those entities that are less holy. So for example, when it comes to places, so you have the Kodesh HaKadoshim, the holiest place that there is. And then you have Yerushalayim. We know the, the Mishnah says there are Esther Kedushas. There are ten different levels of Kedusha within Eretz Yisrael. Yerushalayim is more holy than the rest of Eretz Yisrael, and the, certainly the rest of Eretz Yisrael is more holy than than the, than than, than, than Chutz La'aretz. And then in Chutz La'aretz, you also you have places, you have shuls, Beis Haknesses, Beis Hamedrash, and we believe there's a level of Kedusha over there also. And then you have Lahepe, you have certain places that are unholy places. Let's say Mitzrayim is an unholy place. The same thing is when it comes to time. Not all days are created the same. It's a mistake to think that all days are the same, except that, that every seventh day I'm commanded to behave differently. I'm commanded not to work, or I'm commanded, and I'm commanded to, uh, to say a, a shorter Shemeneshrei and Tehrkriya Satayra. That's a misunderstanding of what Shabbos is. Shabbos is not that we behave differently on Shabbos. Shabbos is essentially a day which is Kaddish. It's a holy day. Yom Tiv is holy also. Yom Tiv is a little different type of Kedusha. Maybe Yom Tiv is a Kedusha that we bring. Shabbos is an is a inherent Kedusha. Mekatsha Vekayma. Yom Tiv is totally in Klal Yisrael. But ultimately, these are days that are holy. And in general, every single day is a different energy. Sunday is different energy than Monday. Monday is different energy than Tuesday. We are now entering, Mir Hashem, this upcoming Shabbos, we're entering uh, the month of Nisan. The whole month of Nisan is a holy month. There's a reason why we don't say Tachton. What does it mean? What does it mean that it's a holy month? Well, what does holiness mean? That's what we're trying to figure out. Yeah. But as I state, that's the fundamental. This whole month is like Rosh Chodesh. If I remember correctly, the Ebenezer, 
when, he, when the Pasuk says, um, says that means that this is the whole month of Nisan, every day of the month of Nisan, you have to bring this carbon, because that's Rashi Chachechem. The whole month is in the level of Rosh Chodesh. It's a holy month, but what does that mean? What makes it a holy month? There are certain days that are damaged, right? We've been through this before. In fact, we've spoken about this, how a Yom Tev happens on a day because it's a holy day. In other words, the re- Tesva, it's not shot that it's not shot that that uh, Tesva of Nisan is special because the Yidin went out of Mitzrayim and that day it's the opposite. The Yidin went out of Mitzrayim and Tesva of Nisan because Tesva of Nisan is a special day. When it was created, when the world was created already, Tesva of Nisan was had a special kiddushan to it. Every month is different. Every day of the week is different. Every uh, everything. And then the same thing is when it comes to people. Some people are more holy than others. Kehanim are more holy than, than the rest. Kehanim are more holy. And then you have, um, you have tzaddikim. And as we know from Tanya, a tzaddik is a level that not everyone can achieve. It's not shot that everyone can become a tzaddik. Certain people have a special neshama, a holy neshama, and that makes them... Uh, able to be on the Madriga of a tzaddik. It's brought down actually that what's special about Yom Kippur is that Yom Kippur is when we had the convergence of the holiest element of Olam, the holiest element of Shana, the holy, holiest element of Nefesh. Meaning, the holiest person, which was the Kayan Gadol, on the holiest day of the year, which is Yom Kippur, would go into the holiest place in the world, which is Kedesh HaKadoshim, where we had the convergence that's why it's called Achad. The Torah talks about Achad Bashana. Achad Bashana. Because the Achas, the one, the, the, the one most special of every single one of these dimensions converged on Yom Kippur. And the same question can be asked in Sayin Olam and Sayin Shana and Sayin Nefesh and all these three years. What does it mean that a day is more holy? What does that mean that it's more holy? Hashem is more present on this day. What does that mean that Hashem is more present on this day? And why is it like that? What does it mean that Hashem is more present in a certain place? And then there's certain kudushas that we do. When we do a mitzvah, which you mentioned, when we're learning Torah, Hashra, Sashchina, what does that mean? So that is the question that we're going to be exploring over the next three prakim, coming up with an understanding. What does it mean kudusha? We'll have a very, a very good understanding. What exactly means to bring kudusha in the world through Torah mitzvahs? What is the kudusha? Excuse me, what is the kudusha of Kedusha Gadashem? And we'll continue on this mitzvah next week. But again,